One of the great moral issues that we all struggle with is that of telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. A recent poll revealed that 91% of people admitted to telling lies. Uh, they concluded that the other 9% were just liars. <laughs> the main reason uh, that people tell lies is to save face. 98% of people give that as the reason why they told lies. Others give excuses as so as not to offend people. 92% of high schoolers admitted to lying to their parents in the previous year. And 73% of them admitted to telling lies on a weekly basis to their parents. And yet the strange thing is that in spite of all of these admissions, that 91% of all respondents said that they were satisfied with their ethics and with their moral character. What they're really admitting to is that their consciences were no longer sensitive to the sin of lying. We're all guilty of it in many different ways. We can bend the truth. We, we have what we call half-truths, where you sort of tell the truth, but not all of it. Perhaps you've phoned your employer and you've said, I'll not be at work today because I'm sick, which is a kind of true. It's just you're sick of work and you don't want to go. Then there's the little white lie, the supposedly innocent lie that doesn't hurt anyone. Oh yes, I, I really like your new haircut. You, oh, you really suit that color. And I really love that rhubarb jelly that you give me. Little white lies. Then there's the lies that we tell to cover for someone or maybe cover for ourselves. Oh, I'm sorry, he can't come to the phone right now. He's busy. But he's not really. There's the lies of exaggeration, where we stretch the truth of the story to make ourselves look better or to garner sympathy from those that are listening in. And then is the silent lie, where you know someone believes something to be on that, that that's actually untrue, but you don't actually say anything to discourage them from that lie that they believe. We've got evasive lies where we change the subject or we don't actually answer the question that we were asked. You might call this one the politician's lie. They seem to favor that approach. If you ever watch them on the, on the political programs, when they're asked the question that they don't want to answer, you'll find that they'll actually answer the question that they'd wish you'd asked instead. And the Bible is brutally honest when it comes to exposing the failures of some of the great men and women of faith when it comes to lying. Abraham and Sarah, Moses and Aaron, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Rachel, David, Peter. The Bible exposes their lives with, well, with nowhere to hide. And the point is that if these saints of God struggled with being truthful all of the time, then none of us are exempt. And therefore, we need to take Paul's exhortation to heart in verse 25. Put away lying. 
Speak every man truth with his neighbour, for we are members one of another. Now I'm going to say it again when you look at verse 25, when you've got a word for, ask why it's there for. It takes us back to the preceding verses. If you've been with us over the last number of weeks, Paul has been dealing with the subject of how the Christian's life is to be transformed now that they've come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. There ought to be a distinct difference between our old life before our conversion and our new life after it. Paul's argument is that since God has changed us through the gospel, we are to live in the light of that truth We are to put off the old life, be renewed, verse 23, in the spirit of our minds, and then put on the new life, in verse 24. And we're all saying, preach it, Paul. That's what we want to hear. Until he gets to the specifics. Because beginning in verse 25, he's going to get specific about the things that he's talking about. He's going to put his finger on a number of different areas of our lives that need to be transformed in order for there to be evidence for everyone to see that we really are a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what he's going to do typically over the next uh, number of verses, both in chapter 4 and chapter 5, he's going to tell us the sin that we're to put off. He's going to tell us the godly behavior that we're going to put on. And he's going to give us the motive or the reason behind the change. If you notice what he says in verse 25. Put off lying. That's the thing to put away. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. That's the new thing we're to do. And the reason for it, we are members one of another. Since we have experienced the new birth, put aside falsehood and speak the truth because we're members one of another. Now let's define our terms. What is truth? Truth is an accurate representation of the facts. Truth especially is conformity to God's standards as he has revealed them in his word. John 17 and verse 17, the Lord Jesus prayed, Sanctify them through thy truth, for thy word is truth. God is truth and he speaks the truth. Falsehood or lying or any deliberate misrepresentation of the truth is what Paul is speaking against here. Now bear in mind in verse 15 we are to speak the truth in love. We are to be kind and gracious when we speak the truth. And so we need to phrase the truth in a way that it makes it as least offensive as possible and sensitive to the other person's feelings. We are to apply what's known as the golden rule. How would I want someone else to tell me this truth? And I must speak it in the same manner. So with that as a background, let's explore Paul's thinking here. Let's, well, let's have a starting point. The starting point for this new truthful life. The starting point for it is the new birth. As I said, the word for takes us right back to verse 22. 
to put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Paul's saying that the old life before Christ was filled with deceit. We were, first of all, deceived by sin, and then we deceived others because of our self-serving and our hypocrisy and our greed. But then he says we are to put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In other words, truth is characterized in our new life in Christ. The old life was filled with deceits. The new life is to be filled with truth. The change comes about when we are in Christ. So now that we are in Christ, we are to be truthful people. Now that's not to say that people who aren't saved don't tell the truth. Very many of them do, and for a variety of reasons. Maybe their their pride in their word being as good as their bond. Maybe they're truthful because of the fear of punishment or the shame that comes from duplicity. But what Paul is saying here that we who have received new life through God's grace have a different motive for being truthful all the time. Let me explain it with an illustration if I can. It's a story I heard of a man who was at a bank one day, and as he was going through his various transactions, it turns out that the teller gave him too much money in return. And he called her attention to it and gave the money back, and she she exclaimed, well, thank you very much, you're very honest. And I suspect most of us would have taken the credit of that statement, but he replied very quickly, I'm not honest, not by nature. I would very gladly have ripped you off and taken the money, but Jesus Christ is now my Savior, and he makes me honest. He gave the glory to the Lord, as we all should do. And he recognizes that all true honesty began with a new life of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, honesty is important. Truth is important. Those that are new creatures in Christ must lay aside falsehood and speak the truth. And you're thinking to yourself, I agree with that, but how do I do it? And I want to suggest a couple of things to you that might help Recognize, first of all, the source of truth and the source of falsehood. The Bible tells us very clearly that God is the source of truth. He's described as the only true God whose word is truth. You can find that in John 17. As the God of truth, he cannot lie. Titus 1 and verse 2 reminds us of that. God that cannot lie. Hebrews 6 and 18 says the same, that it's impossible for God to lie. The Lord Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's truth. That's why you can say in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What a, what a claim to make. I am the way to God. I am the only truth that matters, and I am the life eternal. 
In fact, if you look at verse 21 of our text in Ephesians 4, you'll notice that it is the truth as it is in Jesus. He is the truth. In John chapter 8 and verse 45, the Lord Jesus said, Because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. God is truth. The Lord Jesus Christ is the embodiment of that truth. The Holy Spirit of God is described as the Spirit of truth. John 14 verse 17, the Lord Jesus told his disciples that even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. God's spirit of truth is within us. God is the source of truth. On the other hand, Satan is the source of all falsehood and lies. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 44 that Satan was a liar and the father of lies. He introduced the lie in the Garden of Eden when he implied that God was lying in the threat of punishment of Adam and Eve head of the forbidden fruit. He deceived Eve with a lie. He told her, ye shall not surely die. It was a lie. That day she died spiritually. From that day she would die physically. And left in her condition she would die eternally. Satan was a liar from the beginning. So we need to keep in mind first of all. Who is the source of truth? And who is the source of lies? And when we think of the times that we're, we're, we're pressurized or into compromising the truth. When all around us are telling us that lies are acceptable part of human behavior, we should consider that every lie puts us in league with the father of lies, Satan himself. Recognize the source of truth and falsehood. Secondly, recognize the importance of truthfulness to God. And truthfulness is important to God because he is the God of truth. Because he hates lying and he hates falsehood. It's contrary to his nature. In fact, it's part of Satan's rebellious nature and God hates that. You take the time to read through the book of Proverbs in chapter 6. Solomon lists seven things that God hates and two of them have to do with lying. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord but they that deal truly are his delight. Why does God love truthfulness? Because it's the basis of all communication. The instant that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden they experienced a breakdown in close fellowship with God and in fellowship with one another, all that they that they'd known and existed before that before the fall was gone. That relationship was broken because of the untruthfulness of what they did. They tried to hide their sins from God. They were uncomfortable with their nakedness before one another. And when God confronted Adam, he blamed Eve. 
She blamed the serpent. You see how lies twist our relationships? How untruthfulness sets us back with God? And from that time we've all struggled with communications and relationships ever since. Do you know what the foolish thing is? The foolish thing is that we think that we can hide our dishonesty from God even though we recognize that he knows every thought, never mind every word that passes through our mouth and still we try to hide our sins from him. At the heart of good communication and close relationships is trust. And if you do not trust someone, you instinctively draw back from them in order to protect yourself. If you think that they'll take those personal matters that you shared in confidence and broadcast them for the, for the world to hear, you will not open up to that person. You will not share anything with them. Our distrust of them results in distance and breakdown of relationships because dishonesty causes distrust. And you can spend a lifetime building trust in your marriage, in your family, in your job, in your, in your lifestyle, in your social connections. And one lie can erode it all. Truthfulness is important to God because it's the basis of our communication with one another and our relationships. And so I, I'm going to encourage you to choose to obey God and to make a prior commitment to speak the truth. To actually decide beforehand that I'm going to speak the truth before God. Choose to obey God. When Paul addresses this subject, he doesn't say, you know, go to a therapist and try to figure out why it is that you're so prone to telling lies. There must be something about the way that your parents treated you at the root of this problem. It doesn't say anything like that. Nor does he say pray for victory in this area that you might overcome. What does he say? He says stop lying and start telling the truth. Choose to obey God. Make a commitment before God, not to lie, to tell the truth. And when you make that commitment prior to the situation that you find yourself in, then it means when those difficult times come along and you're put in a position where you're tempted to tell a lie, you've already made the decision long ago that whatever the situation might be, I'm going to tell the truth. As Paul puts it, Decide beforehand to put off those old, filthy, dirty, smelly clothes that are part of the old life of corruption and deceit. And as a new creature in Christ, commit yourself to say no to the temptation to lie and make a commitment before God, before the temptation hits. Because when it hits and you're not ready, it's too easy to get trapped. Too easy to get trapped if we're not committed. You remember how Satan set up Peter for his great fall. The little servant girl who kept the door come to Peter and said, Art thou not also one of this man's disciples? 
Now the thing is about that question, art not thou also one of this man's disciples? It begs for the negative answer. And Peter fed unto sin by saying, I am not. You know what we find happens next? That once you've started lying, it becomes more difficult to correct yourself and to tell the truth the next time. And so you tell another lie to cover the lie. And each lie creates a deeper hole into which you fall and becomes a habit, a pattern of sin. And so the next time Peter's asked the question, he denies he knows the Christ until eventually he's denying him with oaths and curses. Make a commitment to tell the truth, even if it makes you look bad. We usually lie because the truth will expose our sin or we fear what will happen if we're honest. Let me remind you of when Abraham went down to Egypt trying to escape a famine. And he told Sarah, his wife, to tell everyone that she was his sister because he was afraid that if the Egyptians knew that she was his wife that they would kill him in order to take her. And he justified it to himself because, well, it was almost true. She was the daughter of his father, but not the daughter of his mother. The truth is, she was his half-sister, but she was also his wife. Not learning his lesson the first time, he repeated the same lie later on with Abimelech. You know what we find in the life of Isaac, his son? He follows in his dad's footsteps and falls into the same sin in Genesis 26. Each time they lied, it was out of fear of what might happen if they told the truth. But that fear is not based upon faith in God. It's faithlessness. So I encourage you, as we begin our battle against this terrible situation that we resolve to speak the truth even in the small things the small things you see we don't fall into the the lord's lies of 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 perjury or fraud or illegal cover-ups they don't begin there they begin with the small things until our conscience becomes hardened and calloused and the little lies give way to bigger lies until eventually we get hit with a major temptation. And out of habit, because that's what we normally do, we lie again. Or better to be honest. Lay aside, put away lying, Paul said. Recognize the source of truth and falsehood. Recognize the importance of truthfulness to God. Choose to obey God by making a prior commitment to him. Seek to speak the truth in every situation. And when you feel, as we undoubtedly shall, confess your sins immediately. First of all to God, and then to those that you have sinned against. Why is it that we tell lies? When we tell ourselves it's because we don't want God or others to know about our sins. Well, first of all, God already knows about our sins. We can't hide them from him. He knows the hidden thoughts of our hearts. 
So we repent of that sin and confess it to the Lord. Perhaps when we, when we tell lies, we think it's to our advantage to hide our sins from others, but it's not. Because invariably the truth comes out and our sin is exposed. And the more that we've tried to cover it up, it erodes every sense of trust that there might have been. Or better to ask for forgiveness over some minor falsehood and keep your conscience tender before the Lord and maintain your relationship with one another. And to remember that the book of Proverbs says in chapter 28 and verse 13 that he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Let me suggest also that you consider the consequences of lying. Proverbs 19 verse 5, A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. And although you can probably name a list of cases where people have lied and gotten away with it, you're thinking only in terms of earthly judgment. They didn't get away with it before God who will hold them accountable. And if you sow falsehood, you will not reap God's blessing. So ask yourself some questions about it. Does my lying bring glory to God? Is not our chief end to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? Haven't we been saved by the grace of God and for His glory and everything that we do from our uprising to our downsetting should be for His glory? Do lies glorify God? It's hard to conceive how a lie could glorify the God of truth who cannot lie. Well, how does my lying affect other believers? Well, as we've said already, it erodes trust. It breaks down relationship. It's not good to lie before others. We might think that we're protecting them or ourselves, but really we're only hurting one another. How does it affect my family? If your spouse has reason to doubt your trustfulness, it creates distance between you. If your children see you bending the truth, let me tell you, they won't need very many examples before they learn to follow in your footsteps. But if they see you telling the truth, even when it costs you to do so. When the, the bank teller gives you too much money or you're given too much change in your supermarket uh, transaction. Let them see the, the value of honesty. Let them see the benefit of it. And ask yourself, how does my lying affect my relationships with others around me? How does it affect my testimony as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? When those who do not know the Lord, when they see me or catch me telling lies, they know that I profess to be a Christian and attend church. And yet if they see me lying on the job or keeping quiet about truth because it's to my financial advantage, then we lose any basis of telling them the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm sure I've shared this story before. It's worth repeating. Stories of a young man 
He was in his first uh, place of employment in a job that he really wanted and needed and enjoyed, but his boss came to him and asked him uh, to tell a client who was on the other end of the telephone line that his boss was unavailable to come and to take the call. The young man refused to do it. And after he'd handed over the phone and the conversation was had, his boss slammed down the phone and turned to his young assistant and said, Tell me one reason why I shouldn't fire you on the spot. The young man looked at him and said, Well, you know I won't lie for you. Well, neither will I lie to you. And he kept his job. He kept his job. How will my lies affect my integrity before others, my testimony of, for the Lord before them. How will lying affect my eternity? I'm not suggesting for a moment that you could lose your salvation by telling a lie. As I've said, there were great men and women of faith who were guilty of lying. But I am saying this, that if you claim to be a Christian, but yet continue to live as you did before you came a Christian, then you need to take a serious look at whether your faith in Christ is genuine or not. If our life is still characterized by lying and falsehood and excuses, then we're not giving any evidence that we've been created anew in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have new life in us through him. If our life is characterized by lying, there's little evidence of a new birth. And I would remind you of the words of Revelation 21 and verse 8, where John warns us that all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. As I said, Paul's modus operandi here is to tell us the things that we are to put off, the things we are to put on, and the reason for doing so. Let me give you the reason very quickly. We are members one of another. Paul's already used the analogy earlier in the chapter that we're all parts of the same body of Christ. We're joined together, put into our various places and we function with one another and for one another. Well, we are to speak the truth, every man to his neighbor. Because we're joined together. The health of the spiritual body depends upon the wholeness of all of the individual parts. You think of the time that you put your finger on the hot stove and not only was your fingertip burned, but the nerves that join your fingertip relayed the information to the brain, warned the rest of the body that there's severe injury to be had if you get too close to that hot spot. We're part of one another. If you were with us last week, we talked about the disease of leprosy that begins to affect the nerves. Therefore, the body doesn't know that it's being hurt. The body can be destroyed without even knowing it because 
the nerves aren't sending the signal to the brain to tell it of the damage that's being done. The point is that if you lie to one another that are members of the body of Christ, you're literally injuring yourself, and worse, you're injuring the body itself. You wouldn't deliberately injure yourself. You wouldn't deliberately injure your family. And you don't want to be injuring the Savior whose body we are. And so, lay aside lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. It was Augustine that observed this wonderful truth. He said, I have had experience of many who wish to deceive, but no one who wish to be deceived. If you don't want to deceive others, if you don't want others to deceive you, don't deceive them to begin with. That the Holy Spirit has used these verses to convict us of the lies that we tell and the falsehoods that we spread. May we confess it to the Lord. May we seek his forgiveness. May we walk in the light of the new life in Christ. And may we become those that speak the truth and love and put aside the falsehoods and the lies so that when we speak, that those around us will know that it is the truth, unblemished truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help us God. Let's bow in prayer.